What a fantastic morning so far. Isn't there a, a saying when the cat's away, the mice will play? So when Dave's gone, anything's game. So we just have fun and don't take ourselves too seriously. Dave's probably watching right now. So hey, Dave from, what is it, across the pond? I don't know what it is. But um, so give a round of applause to all of the Connect kids who came up here here this morning. It's so funny, when they were lining up, a lot of them, probably half of them were like, no, I'm, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm changing my mind, but they did so good up here. They've been working every single Sunday to bring you what they did this morning, so they did amazing. And I know how a lot of you parents probably feel because I, I'm sitting there, we're sitting there and we're watching our kids and everything else kind of disappears and we just see our kids and we think they're the best one up there. They are the best one up there. They are the star of the show. And I think we all do that and we feel that and it's okay, but it's a good reminder how God sees us too. He, he sees us and he's like, they're a star. That's my kid. Um, and truly, if we can learn anything here this morning besides some of the trivia that we just learned, I hope that we can learn to come boldly and honestly and wholeheartedly just as these kids do every single Sunday. So I hope we can at least take away their childlike faith here this morning. So we are knee deep in our Christmas series season, our Christmas season series all about peace all about peace. And uh, we've been reminded of the gift that God has given us, and that is the gift of his one and only son, who is the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, the prophet says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9, 6. So Jesus, he did not only just bring peace to us, Jesus is peace. He is peace. So years ago, um, my husband and I, we just had our first child, Reese, and she was about a month old, but we wanted to own a home so bad. And it came the day that we found the perfect home for us. It was this little two bedroom, it was a brick red house, it was perfect for us, and we just fell in love with this house. Um, so we had great memories in this home, holidays, friends, family. We brought our second um, child to this home, and he was in our room for over a year. You guys heard that story a while ago. Um, but then he graduated to Reese's bedroom. And we quickly found out that we were growing out of this little two-bedroom red brick home. So it was time to find our next adventure, our next clinky home. So we start looking, and um, one day we go to this open house, and we fall in love with this house. And the kids are picking up their bedrooms, and we can really picture ourselves in this home. We finally got our offer accepted, and there was one stipulation. We had to sell our red brick home in 30 days or the deal was off, but we needed to sell that home to buy this home. So we left determined. We left determined. So um, it was days, it was weeks, and we quickly realized no one wants a two-bedroom home. Everybody wants a three-bedroom plus home. So we were getting a little sad that our house wasn't selling. 30 days comes, our house did not sell. And we were devastated. I, I was devastated. I really felt like we were supposed to be in this home. So we lost that home, but we were still determined to sell our little red brick home. Some time went by and my friend actually called me and she said, you have to look at this house. It is in our neighborhood. It's the perfect location, great size, great price. You just need to look at this house. So I knew what this house looked like. 
And right away, I'm like, no, I'm not looking at this house. I know what house you're talking about. But I looked at the pictures and I didn't even get through all the way because I was just like mortified that she even wanted me to look at this house. So nope, wasn't gonna do it out of the picture, out of mine. Days later, I woke up one morning and I vividly remember, vividly remember I had a dream about this house. And it's a red and yellow house and it was... It was not the best looking house, let's just say that. But I had a vivid dream about this house. And I knew from that time, we were supposed to live in this house. So I go tell my husband and I said, you are not gonna believe this. I had a vivid dream about this yellow and red house and we are supposed to live there. I know it doesn't make sense. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had a dream last night about this yellow and red house. And I am not even kidding you, this is how this happened. And we're both freaking out because we had the same dream about this ugly yellow and red house, but we knew we were supposed to live there. So we called and we're like, let's go look at this house. I brought my friend with me because I knew she would be able to see the potential and I would not be able to see what was in front of me. So we went in, it was worse than what the pictures were, but we still felt like we were supposed to live in this house. And um, long story short, we finally got the house and it was time to take our kids to see this house. We were nervous because we knew what they saw in the other house. It was perfect. It didn't need anything done to it, but this one needed everything done with it. So if I can paint you a picture a little bit. So every room had different color carpet, green, brown, red. And it was funny because the red carpet was in the bathrooms. So that was fun. So red carpet in the bathrooms, every room had wallpaper. The cabinets were falling off the walls. It was pretty bad. So we take our kids to see this house and they are mortified. They are so upset. They cannot believe we would buy a house like this. It was hideous. It was ugly. It smelled terrible. Um, but they, they hated it. And quickly they named it the scary house. And I have a picture up here um, of what the scary house was when we first bought it. This was our red and yellow scary house. And, um, and the reason I tell this story is because what was once the red and yellow scary house is now the clinky house. This is our home now. And we have filled it with love, with joy, with family time. We have filled it with some hard times and tears, but it has been our home and we have made it our safe haven. I've always told my husband, always, ever since we had a place to live, I always said the one thing I wanted out of our home was it to be a safe place. I want it to be a safe place for our kids to come home after school and rest their heads and feel the weight of the world off their shoulders. That's what I wanted for this home. And I believe we are called to bring peace. If we are Jesus followers here this morning, we are called to bring peace. And we know this because the prophet Isaiah talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit and he even talked about how we needed to have our homes just filled with the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 32, 18, it says, my people will live in peaceful and dwelling places, in secure homes and undisturbed places of rest. God wants that for us. He wants our home to be just a place where we feel secure, where we can rest our heads and it is truly filled with the love and the Holy Spirit. So we see your your kids up here and we love your kids. Our leaders back there, love and adore your kids. But the thing is, we only get to be with them an hour out of every week, which is not a lot. Now in that hour of every week, we are so intentional. 
we love on your kids, we have fun with your kids, we teach them about Jesus, we teach them about the love of Jesus. But other than that, outside of the hour a week, they are in school or they're in their homes. And that's truly what I believe what shapes our kids, what molds our kids, how they grow up to be is because what happens in the homes. Are your kids able to come in after a long day of school, shut the noise out and just come in and be themselves and be vulnerable and ask anything and be who they are and feel safe? We, uh, we kind of have, me and my husband, we have an open door policy where if our kids wanna have friends over, they have friends over. Anybody is welcome in our home. We have friends over, we have family over, but we, we do that because we hope and pray that if they come into our front door and they come into our home, we hope and pray that they feel a little bit of Jesus when they come in because they may not get it anywhere else. So that's why we are so welcome to anybody because if they feel the love of Jesus, then we've planted that seed and we've done our job. So I ask you this morning, what's the temperature of your home like? And not the temperature where it's at, if it's 68 degrees or whatever, but what is your temperature in your home like as far as peace goes? If someone were to come in your home, would they feel the love and the joy and the Holy Spirit? Or would they feel something else? I've always heard this saying, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. And I say that to my kids all the time. They maybe see somebody or you see someone happy who has it all together, but really we never know what goes on behind closed doors. When the night falls, the doors are locked, what truly is happening behind closed doors? Because like I said, that's truly what shapes you and molds you and really becomes the person that you are. So much happens behind closed doors. You can look through the New Testament of the life of Jesus and he was constant with healing people in the streets and speaking to large crowds outside, but it's really what happened behind closed doors is what truly changed people's lives. You can see in Luke 19, there was a, a guy named Zacchaeus. Dave mentioned him. He might be an elf. We don't know. It doesn't say, but he was small. And there was one day where Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in a tree and he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I am going to your house today. And he came down and he went to his house and Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. Now, mind you, Zacchaeus was one of the worst tax collectors. He not only took your money, he took a profit and he took a lot of money on top of that. He was the worst. But Jesus still went up to him and said, I'm coming to your house today. There was Mary and Martha in Luke 10. They were at Martha's house and Martha was busy. She was hurrying, she was cooking, she was cleaning. She was doing all the things that need to be done. We all know how that goes. And Mary, her sister, just sat at Jesus' feet and she listened to Jesus and she took everything in of Jesus. And, and Martha's like, Jesus, do you not see this? I'm the one doing all the things and Mary's just sitting here and Jesus said, listen, Martha, you have something to learn from her. While you're busy, she's sitting at my feet and learning from me and changing. Jesus went to the house of another tax collector, Levi. He went to the house of Simon the leper. And in all of these stories, time and time again, people's lives were changed because of what happened behind closed doors. I wanna focus on a story here this morning um, about two disciples and they were um, walking on the road um, about seven miles out from Jerusalem. And it was the day that 
Jesus rose from the dead. And there was a lot of talk around the town that Jesus was not there. They're saying he's still alive. There's so much buzz going around. And um, there's these two guys. They only named one. One name was Cleopas, but they're, they're known to be disciples of Jesus. So they know who Jesus is. They've seen him. Um, they're aware of him, but they have so much going on in their head. Um, and starting in verse 17, they're walking together and Jesus comes up to them. And he says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus said to these two guys, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus, having the sense of humor that he does, he's like, no, what things? What are you talking about? What things? And they said, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. But then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but they did not see Jesus. And this is how Jesus replied. He said, how foolish you are, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all of the prophets have spoken. So he's starting to talk about the scriptures of what the prophets like Isaiah said about the upcoming Messiah. And he's going to be talking about the Old Testament. He's like, how foolish you are. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if they were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. So they're walking along. Jesus is kind of getting upset. He's like, first of all, hello, Have you, do you know who I am? But he's like, how foolish you are. Do you not remember what the scripture said about the coming of the Messiah? that he would have to go through all this? Have you, literally, have you lost all of your faith? So they went to their house. It was getting dark and they went behind closed doors. They invited him in. And this is what took place. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. So they're sitting at the table, he broke the bread, he blessed it and he gave it to them. And in verse 31, it says, then their eyes were open. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they're sitting down, they're behind closed doors, it's nighttime, they're, they're having a meal with Jesus. Jesus does the act of breaking the bread and, and giving it to them and their eyes were opened. 
their eyes became open and he left and they, they thought, they looked at each other, oh my gosh, were our hearts not burning when he was talking to us? Why did we not know this? Why did we not see him? Why did we not realize it? But it took, behind, it took going to someone's house behind closed doors and sitting together and having a meal. And isn't there something about sitting together, having a meal with people, the fellowship that you have with each other? You're calm, you're unhurried. It's a place of intimacy and friendship. And truly behind closed doors and at home, this is where relationships build and where relationships take place. So much happens in the home. Again, if you're a follower of Christ here this morning, we are called to be peacemakers, right? In Matthew 5, 9, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And peace is led by the spirit, it's not led by us. So if we truly want peace in our homes, we've got to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit within our homes because we can't do it alone. So at the beginning of my my message, I, I told you that one of the things that was so important to me, and it still is today, I've always told my husband, we wherever we live, whatever house we live in, whatever place we're in, I need it to be a safe haven for myself, for our family, for our kids, for anybody who walks in. That is what is important to me. And the reason why it's so important to me is because I really didn't have that growing up. After a long day of school or being with friends, I would come home and there wasn't that love and calmness and peacefulness in my home. There was a lot of fighting and anger and hatred. And because of the lack of peace in my home, I went outside the home to look for peace in all these different places that of course I couldn't find. But that's why it's so important to have that inside your home so your kids and your family members don't look anywhere else for that peace that should be built inside of your home. Jesus promises this as well. He promises the coming of his Holy Spirit and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives you in John 14, 27. This peace only comes from him and this is the only peace that will truly change lives, your home and the world. So I give you a challenge here this morning. When you get home or maybe this holiday season, hopefully beyond, check the temperature of your home. When you walk in, what do you feel? Do you feel the peace? Do you feel the love? When people come into your home, how do they feel? What is the temperature of peace inside your home? And maybe ask yourself a question, what is stealing your peace? What is stealing your peace? Because the same thing that's normally stealing it is the same thing that's in between you and God. It's the same thing that is making you not have that relationship with God. Or maybe you can ask yourself, what is your functioning thing that gives you peace? Besides Jesus, what is that thing that you reach out to that's not Jesus that gives you peace? That's something to look at too, because that again is standing in your way of the relationship of you and God. We had um, an amazing, we have such an amazing group of youth here at Connect, and we were in our girls' small group last Tuesday, and we tried to stay along the same subject of peace and what we talk about here at church. And um, we went around and we asked, you know, what is stealing your peace? What is stealing your peace? And a lot of it was school and teachers and homework and other kids that are mean. And so it was kind of the same stuff. So then we stopped and went around and be like, okay, well, what would give you that peace that you need? And we came up with some things, but truly the only thing that could restore true peace 
is Jesus. That's the only thing that will help. So as you leave this morning, our ushers are gonna be handing out a little gift for one per family. Hopefully I don't break this. And it is an ornament. So every family will be leaving with this and um, it has the manger on there. And I ask that you hang this somewhere. You hang it on your tree or somewhere special. And throughout this holiday season, you use this as a reminder of what does your house feel like? Is the presence of God in this home? Because remember, whoever comes in your home, maybe that's the only Jesus they get. Maybe, maybe that's the only time your kids get the Jesus. And we love them here, but they're with you guys more. So we encourage you and ask you to feel out what your home is because that truly is what shapes them and molds them to who they become. So grab one of these on your way out and use this as a reminder to check the peace in your homes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much where we can get together and cheer on these kids who have worked so hard to deliver this awesome performance of singing and readings and everything. And they were so excited. And I love seeing just the light just come out of them. So I thank you for each and every one of their little hearts. And um, I pray that everyone here has that childlike faith just like them. Lord, I pray that you are with us in this Christmas season and you help fill our homes with your peace and not the outside world peace. Lord, we love you so much and we pray this in your holy name, amen.